Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Brian Hummel. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamic's Brian Schachter to talk about what's trending now. Hello, Brian. What headlines have you been following lately? You know, the last time I was here about a month ago, I spoke a lot about the Inflation Reduction Act. And in looking at the news over the past couple of weeks, there's a lot of articles that are directly related to the Inflation Reduction Act. The first being that the biosimilar industry is getting a big boost from this act. You know, currently, Medicare or CMS has established a reimbursement model of average sales price plus 6% that Medicare Part B will pay for healthcare providers for qualifying biosimilars. And right now, because of this Inflation Reduction Act, it's actually being temporarily increased to 8% for the duration of five years. And when you think about the cost of a biosimilar and what that additional 2% could mean, you know, you're really talking about a lot of money. Ultimately, this is intended to encourage competition in the biologic space as well as biosimilars, but it's also intended to help lower prescription drug costs and improve patient access because that is one of the most prohibitive barriers to biologics. When I'm thinking about the types of therapeutic areas that will benefit most from this, from enhanced competition, you know, I think of therapeutic areas like diabetes, oncology, and immune disorders. Looking at the U.S. market, you'll notice that biosimilars haven't really taken off yet. In 2019, Europe accounted for nearly 90% of all biosimilar sales, whereas the U.S. market is, is much more restrictive in it. We really just haven't hit that point yet. And Ryan, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Well, I think that we have reached a pivotal point. You just mentioned the payment will be increased uh, via Medicare Part B. And, and just so everyone remembers, I think Medicare Part B is that part of Medicare that covers healthcare services. So I just always want to remind people of the different levels of Medicare ABCD. But I think that if you talk to any futurists in the life science space, we in the U.S. are in the process of launching more biosimilars in the future. And if you look, 2023 could be a pivotal year. There's an anticipated launch of several biosimilars, specifically around Humira, which is the largest blockbuster drug there is known to man. And this could be a turning point for biosimilars in the United States. Another very common biologic is Stellara. And these are treatments that cover some of the elements and areas that you mentioned chronic diseases like certain bowel conditions like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. So I think that we're going to see a interesting inflection point, maybe not in 2023 completely, but in the coming years where we're going to, we're going to change that paradigm between the U.S. and Europe. We've seen some forecasts estimating that over $8 billion in healthcare cost reduction over the next decade as a result of this add-on payment for some biosimilars. So as we've seen kind of the the cost curve not being bent in the right way in the U.S. over the last several years, even though we thought it might, this could be another reason why we see some turning points with biosimilars. It's great to hear. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the increased competition because I think that ultimately brings access and cost to the masses. The next topic that I wanted to talk about was the 2023 Medicare Advantage Star ratings. And in a recent publication, it was noted that 2023 
is going to be a lower year in terms of the number of Medicare Advantage plans that have you know, a four-star or higher average rating. Just to remind everyone, the Advantage Star rating is really intended to measure the quality of health care and drug services received by individuals. And then it also allows consumers to compare plans' performance as they prepare for open enrollment, especially now as the open enrollment period has opened. It's going to be important for eligible individuals to bring a, a fine eye to evaluating the different Medicare Advantage plans and figuring out which plan is going to be most appropriate for who they are, what types of conditions they have, as well as any financial constraints or flexibilities that they have. This report noted that approximately 51% of Medicare Advantage plans offering drug coverage will have a star rating of four or more in 2023. It's important to note that this is actually a sharp decline from 68% of plans which had such a rating in or higher in 2022. There are a couple reasons for this that I was reading about. And the first and foremost is really that in 2022, CMS applied a COVID-19 related provision. And this allowed contracts to use the better of the current or historical performance for most measures. But this wasn't applied to 2023. Ryan, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on what this means for those who are evaluating Medicare Advantage plans. It is really important. What I would argue is the studies indicate that the increase from 2020 to 2021 during the COVID year was very high. And even though there was a decrease in the star ratings heading into 2023, it did not cut into the increases that occurred last year. So uh, it was, although it was the largest decrease of MA star ratings that we've seen in a long time, it, it's not a, a death rattle, if you will, with some of these plans. I think that a majority of these plans are still four stars and higher, which means that you know quality is good. The COVID-related multiplier that was in there really did affect the ratings this year because it's no longer in there. And I think it does mean that folks that are entering Medicare Advantage plans and open enrollment, which is occurring as we speak or, or soon after the release of this podcast, are really going to have to look into the plans themselves. What is important to them? Because these Medicare Advantage plans do have some, sorry for the term, advantages over other plans. And if, if, if I'm a family member that's choosing and I want a plan that has high quality when it comes to diabetes or any chronic care that I have... I need to do and look into the fine detail of these plans. So I think that's what it means. I think that you have to do that every year, but when you see large headlines around a decrease, it means that patients and consumers need to do their homework. Another article was around this kind of interesting poll of 5,000 Americans. A little bit shocking, then you think through it and you can understand kind of the, the detail behind it. 75% gave the U.S. healthcare affordability, equity, accessibility, and quality a D or F rating. There were some key insights that were included in this poll, and you know it stems from high rates of skipping or rationing treatment and medication due to cost. Uh, there are disparities in access and quality of care, and that has been a, a prolonged problem in the U.S. healthcare system. And there's increasing concern about the ability to pay for healthcare through retirement, and we talk about that just as we get off a segment on Medicare Advantage. I think that, you know, overall, the U.S. health insurance in comparison to other countries just does not provide enough protections or the same protections. And this compromises Americans' risk around health and finances. And that's probably why the D and the F were given. 
On the flip side of this, there's also incredible usage uh, in the U.S. of web-based portals for communicating medical concerns and refilling medications in comparison to all these other countries. And, you know, I think it's a really good opportunity for healthcare leaders to acknowledge the issue of getting a DRF rating and really double down on some of these portals and communicating and engaging patients in a real simple way. I just read somewhere that in the advent of the internet being released, most of those folks are Medicare age. So there's this assumption that uh, folks above and over the age of 65 aren't ready for automation and website usage. And in reality, they are. So lots of things to unpack around this rating, but love to hear what you have to say about it. That's a, it's a great point, Ryan. When I think about access to healthcare, I think about first and foremost, outreach, but then also engagement to your targeted demographic. How do you go about identifying the right people who are in the right location at the right time for a treatment? And how do you appropriately communicate with them how they want to be communicated with? And that's ultimately what's going to help improve access. However, when you have another prohibitive barrier such as cost that's also restrictive, that's another lever that needs to be pulled upon to figure out how you go about balancing those levers. And that could be with anything from a copay card to a discount card. And I know, you know, we've covered that before on a prior podcast. But what I found interesting about the prohibitive nature of, at times, healthcare in the United States is that, you know, 5% of adults have reported the loss of a family member due to the cost of healthcare. And that's a very difficult percentage and statistic to come to grips with, because it's reflective of the system as a whole, and you know how there are some shortcomings that many individuals and, and governments and healthcare systems are working very diligently to address. But it's something that you know hasn't come to fruition quite as quickly as we would have hoped, and has a lot of challenges and barriers to overcome. And so I hope this number gets smaller and smaller over time. But we will definitely see where this goes. One other topic that is a interesting segue from some of the affordability topics you just mentioned, Brian, was another kind of landmark year for drug prices. And interestingly enough, it was found that for drug prices are exceeding an already incredible inflation rate in the U.S. A new report finds that over 1,200 pharmaceuticals increased their prices past the inflation rate of 8.5% between the months of July in 2021 to July of 2022, with an average hike of 31.6%. And as a reminder, Health and Human Services outlined a new provision in the aforementioned Inflation Reduction Act that will affect prices right as the cap is implemented on October 1st of this year. And while specialty drugs represented 50% of total drug spending in 2021, the top 10% of drugs by price make up fewer than 1% of all prescription, but account for 15% of retail spending. A lot of numbers there. I think the takeaway is that maybe unsurprisingly, the drug prices have increased, but surprisingly, they're exceeding the inflation rate, which is gargantuan in the US much faster at a much faster pace. So what's going on to combat that, Brian? You know, I don't want to sound the alarms because I don't think we're there yet, but it's definitely scary how quickly and how excessively these drugs are outpacing the rate of inflation. But, you know, we've talked about them before, but Mark Cuban's cost plus drug company is working day in, day out in terms of trying to combat this challenge. 
They actually just announced a health plan partner with Capital Blue Cross. When Mark Cuban's Cost Plus Drug Company was set up, it was operating outside of traditional insurance coverage, meaning any costs that consumers were paying were not counted towards their deductibles or their out-of-pocket costs. This is no longer the case for individuals under Capital Blue Cross. In 2023, mind you, a couple months away, Capital Blue Cross members will be able to use their insurance cards at the company's online pharmacy. And this is definitely going to be, or I, I hope this will be, a big step in the right direction in increasing access and affordability to drugs. But, you know, Ryan, I'd be curious your thoughts. Well, I think that you're right. Yeah, th This company operates transparently as a real public benefit company in the United States. And I think every day we hear more news about it, and I'm thankful for that. And this online pharmacy offers over a thousand generic prescription drugs. And uh, like I said, every week, every month, you, you can see them increasing their formulary. And, and I think they're aiming to go out of just generic drugs and introduce brand name drugs down the road. And as these brand name drugs are more traditional and become more expensive, which we just talked about, there's a lot of possibility uh, down the road. So, you know, we'll continue to talk about Cost Plus Drug Company as these podcasts go on. But I, I think it's a really interesting entry into the marketplace. I couldn't agree more. Well, that wraps it up for trending news. I just want to take a moment and thank Brian Schachter for his insights. As always, we know the only constant in healthcare industry is change. And uh, we can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit trendinghealth.com.